servant, do what you must do to make me a servant, make me like you. Hello and welcome to Counsel from Above, your place to ask questions that you wish a counselor would answer directly from God's Word. I am your host, Nathan Honeycutt, licensed professional counselor, minister of the Churches of Christ, excited today for us to be able to sit down and ask some questions of my good friend, Chris McCurley. Hello, Chris. How are you? Hey. Hey, Nathan. Thanks for having me, man. It is great to see you. It's great to have you. I know that you are in the midst of many busy things right now, and I am so excited uh, to see you with us today. So let's let you do a little bit of an introduction. Tell us about yourself and all the wonderful things that are changing in your world right now. Well, thank you for that. Uh, so uh, I'm Chris McCurley. I was at uh, the Oldham Lane Church of Christ for 14 years. I just recently made a move and uh, am now in Dixon, Tennessee, which is about 30 minutes from Nashville. Uh, that gets me closer to home, closer to my wife's home, closer to uh, two of my kiddos. And uh, we're loving it. It's uh, the only difficult thing is my wife's not here yet. She's got to finish out the school year. Uh, but she's coming up every so often. She'll be here Monday. She's about two weeks in between, and then she'll come up, or I'll go down there and see her. Um, but it's been a great, great work so far. Walnut Street Church of Christ in Dixon, Tennessee, has treated us very well, and and we love it here. Um, you know, it's cold like it is everywhere, and uh, and it gets dark like at four thirty, which is something I'm having to get used to. But other than that, uh, everything's been great. Um, yeah, I've got uh, a daughter, twenty six. She's married to a pharmacy student. He's about done with school. I've got a middle daughter who's doing her master's in speech pathology. She lives in uh, Jonesboro, Arkansas. And then uh, my son came home from Harding and decided to finish his last year of school at Abilene Christian, where my my wife teaches. So he kind of threw a monkey wrench in all this. We were going to get close to all of them. And, uh, but you know, we told him whatever he wants to do, we're, we'd support him. So, uh, but it's been great. And thanks for having me. I love the podcast. Man, I appreciate you. Uh, you've always been a huge supporter of the cast. Uh, you were one of them that I picked your brain quite a bit before I decided to jump into this world. And so, uh, and the reason I picked your brain is because of your podcast. Tell us a little bit, little bit about that. Yeah. So we've been doing uh, uh, the podcast, Dear Church, for about five years now. Ripple of Light produces it, which is an organization in uh, Abilene, Texas. They're all members of uh, the church that uh, you know work hard to promote spiritual content. Um, they have a lot of great things going on. They contract with World Bible School. Um, they do short films. They do even some music videos. They do a lot of different stuff, but they they produce and promote the podcast, uh, uh, Dear Church. And you can find it every Thursday at 11 o'clock, Facebook, YouTube, uh, Spotify, uh, Apple Podcasts. So. Well, I know your uh, Facebook is always uh, intriguing to see how many people view your podcast uh, through Facebook. Yeah. Uh, so that is a wonderful place to find it and uh, being able to see the video uh, as well as the audio. So uh, it's yeah. a great podcast. I loved it. I love being on it. Thank that you. was really cool. Yeah, uh, so, and you did, uh, that was a, that was a well received. We got a lot of hits on that. So thank you for doing that. Yeah, it's always uh, wonderful to be able to collaborate and to uh, come together. So uh, let's do it. So, hey, we've got three questions today directly related uh, to kind of our relationships and the church and the things like that. Uh, brought Chris in because Chris is a great resource to be able to kind of understand uh, church teaching, church education, uh, how the church kind of fits in with 
uh, helping families and people. And so that's a big reason why Chris is here for him and I to kind of talk about that. So question number one comes from Jeannie. The question is, uh, my question is, how do I overcome my anxiety slash actions of being in groups where I do not feel I am as good as them? I do not feel accepted in some groups that I want to be accepted in, and this bothers me. Chris, what do we? What do you think about that question? What are your thoughts there? Well, first, my thought is that's real. I mean, I've seen that. Um, maybe we've even experienced it a little bit. You know, I'm in a unique situation, and after 14 years, I've left a place that I knew everybody. Everybody knew me. I had credibility and clout and all that. And now I walk into a situation where I'm in a new town that I don't know very many people at all. I'm in a new congregation of, you know, it's about a thousand people. And so you walk in and you're overwhelmed by not knowing people. And, uh, and by the way, I'm doing it all by myself as my wife is still in Abilene. And so, uh, that that's difficult. Uh, so I, I sympathize with that. If I were taking an overall approach to this, and maybe not exactly pointing the finger at the, the questioner because she may have tried some of these things. But okay. uh, typically what I say is give it a chance, first and foremost. Sometimes we have our minds made up before we ever walk through the door. Um, don't assume things. Um, sometimes your assumptions are correct, but if you can go in giving it a chance, not assuming certain things. Um, I would also say don't always wait for the other guy to make the first move. Um, you know, instead of pointing a finger, raise a hand, you know, wave, say hi, make the initial contact because it is a two way street. Um, obviously, uh, it can be daunting uh, to walk into a congregation, especially one that may be smaller where everybody's related. You know, when I when I got yeah. to Cassville, Missouri, they joked and they teased me about, you know, don't say anything bad about anybody because everybody's related. And, everybody's uh, related. Yep. And that can be hard to feel like you fit in sometimes. But I would also say, don't let one bad experience ruin you. Um, you know, in counseling, I've talked with men or women who have been through a divorce and they'll say something like, uh, I, I hate all men or I hate all women. I'm like, well, so how many were, have you been married to? You know, one. So you're going to swear off all uh, an entire gender because of one bad experience, you know, so um, don't let one bad experience ruin you. But uh, I, I think, I think really those things, um, are, are key, they're essential, and making sure that you give a chance and not go in with uh, preconceived notions or ideas. Like I said, those may be correct, but uh, give it a chance. Well, I also found that a lot of times, like you said, that uh, there, sometimes we kind of sit in a corner, wait for everybody to come to us. Mm -hmm. And we sit in this corner and, we, and then we get upset because nobody's coming to us. When, you know, as soon as the amen is done, everybody who's in has sit together is in their group. So they just turn and start chatting and talking. And then by the time they end whatever conversation they were in, they look up and everybody's gone who they could talk to or would talk to at that point. Because yeah. we always have to catch up at church and have to catch up at things that are going on. And yes. so sometimes it's not about just standing in the corner and waiting for someone to come to us and, and be a part of our world as much as it's about us being willing uh, to kind of step out there and and to uh, to be able to do that, you know, I know that uh, Proverbs talks about it's it's important to show yourself to be friendly yeah. in order to gain friends. I, I like that. The, I like that. This bug off on the top of our forehead that says, "Hey, leave me alone. Uh, I'm good. Uh, I don't need you." 
uh, isn't going to bring people to us to have those conversations. Yeah. And I certainly am not pointing the finger at the, at, uh, is you no. say her name's Jeannie? Um, yeah. Certainly not pointing my finger at her, but what I have seen is folks that come in late for services, they leave early and then they say, well, nobody talked to me. And, you know, of course my response is, well, nobody even knew you were here, you know, so you've got to make yourself available. I would also say that there are some who would, I've heard this critique quite often. Well, that church is just cliquish when in actuality, people naturally gravitate to people who are like them, their friend group, things like that. A click purposely and intentionally excludes you. And I think that's rarer than what we want to claim. I think most often it's just they've got their circle of friends. And if maybe we can, you know, go to them and maybe make a make an, uh, a, some sort of uh, initial hi, you know, my name is and, and, and go from there, that uh, that should work. Now, if 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 it doesn't, there's something wrong with that with that group. But, well, and again, uh, if it's if we're gathering the uh, the relationships due to uh, mutual interests, it's about finding who has that mutual interest, which means I have absolutely. to say, here's the things I'm interested in. Here's absolutely. the things that I w- would like to do or enjoy doing. And thus, yeah. that then creates that circle uh, in which you can gather together. All right. Well, thanks for the question. We'll go to number two. So question number two comes from an anonymous source. They say, we live in a world that feels so divided currently. When people don't agree on topics today, most don't look for middle ground. How do you teach your children or your child healthy biblical conflict resolution? How do we create a balance that protects our children while preparing them to live in a very broken world? Yeah, that's a very involved question, isn't it? Um, Mm. I think that the 30,000 foot view, I would say, is keep perspective stay focused on what really matters. You know, if we truly believe that this life isn't all that there is and that it's going somewhere, then uh, if we can't get so caught up in the here and now and all the uh, rubbish that's going on, that we allow it to affect us. And I think that's happening way too often. I've told our congregation many times, turn off CNN, turn off Fox News, you're scaring the children, you know, stop it. and, you know, social media is, it plays right into that. You know, Twitter's a bathroom wall. Um, our culture is feeding this. And uh, so we, you know, the balance is the key, though, because our culture always swings the pendulum way too far the other direction, whatever the issue is. And we sometimes in the church can swing it so far the other direction that we're illogical and we're unreasonable. And so you have these two ditches and you want to be out of either one of them. Um, and so when it comes to our children, I think, um, you know, teaching them about conflict revolu- uh, resolution from the Bible, Matthew 18, Matthew 5, you know, before you worship, if there's, uh, you know, if you've got a beef with your brother or sister, you, you know, you go and you fix that before you bring your offering. Um, you know, Matthew 18, of course, gives you a pretty detailed response and how to handle that. Uh, I think teaching those principles, but also modeling it. You know, as parents, we we do a we do a divine game of show and tell all of our our uh, lives and raising those kids. You know, we're we're telling them through scripture, but we're also trying to model that and show them. So I think that's key. And I think you know, realizing that as parents, we're we're raising spiritual warriors here. I mean this mm-hmm. this is a fight for their soul for their lives. And that doesn't mean that we need to be aggressive and angry and just, you know, dukes up all the time, but we should be um, 
teaching our children that, look, in order to resist the devil, in order to, um, uh, to be who we need to be in this world, we've got to be able to bit, draw some boundaries, build some cages around some things, you know, our phone, our internet, you know, TV, those kind of things. But like I said a while ago, the key is balance. You know, we can also, instead of raising spiritual warriors, raise some real social weirdos. And uh, so we, that, that's a key as well, is making sure that we're finding, we're striking that balance of, you know, in the world, but not of the world kind of thing. Yep. So. Well, and I also, I, I appreciate that. I think that's a great idea, especially when, you know, when Jesus says, here's the plan, do this. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's, it solves a little bit of the problem. It solves a little bit of the issue. Uh, the other thing that I think to add to that is conflict resolution is also taught in our relationship to our child. How do, how do we resolve the conflict with our children? I, yeah. I know that sometimes we focus on how do we model it with other people or, uh, you know, how, how do we deal with conflict with others? But I think yeah. also one of the greatest teachers is how am I modeling conflict with you? How am I modeling conflict uh, with my child? Because that becomes the greater amount of teacher than how I handle Billy Bob or Skippy or whoever else is yeah. in the world. And so how yeah. do I resolve that conflict with them? How do I treat them? Because the I think there's the same principles in resolving conflict as there is in how I approach people with grace, with mercy, yes. with compassion, yes. with care. Uh, and when I do it that way, I think that's where I find God um, most often. And that's where I find God's approval in our conflict resolution. I don't, know, I don't know that we'll ever have a world that is on good ground. I think Satan will always make sure our world is divided, make sure our world is in conflict. Uh, but it's about us having the right tools to manage that conflict. Yeah. You know, Nathan, I've heard often from uh, folks, well, how can we as Christians get God for, get back to God being first in our society? How can we get that back? Um, I haven't lived a real long time, but I don't know that God has ever been first in our society. You know, I mean, I, I think, I think there's this thing called chronological snobbery that C.S. Lewis came up with, where every generation thinks that their generation is the best, or this is they're the only ones going through this, or the only ones that ever dealt with this, and you know, and so I think there's there's a tendency to believe, well, you know, it was so much better back in the '50s or the I mean, you had problems in too. We've had problems all along. Uh, yeah. I don't know that God has ever been first in society, and I don't know that that's the goal. I think the goal is to make God first in your little part of the world, making yeah. sure that your home has God first, and then branching out from there to be a light in the world around you. Well, I think uh, it's very clearly about the time of the flood and the yeah. fact that when left to their own devices, everyone but eight people had evil thoughts continuously. I mean, that, yeah. that's what that's what the world is going to be. That's what the world does is, yeah. is have evil thoughts continually uh, if left to their own devices. Right. And, and yet you still had those eight that said, my home, my rules, my direction, this is how exactly. we're going to live. And uh, you and I are here today because they decided to stay focused on God. And that's what preserved a world. Uh, <clears throat> that's what preserved everything moving forward is because those eight people said, in my world, in my house, I'm going to live as way God wants. Absolutely. Yeah. So. All right. So let's go to question number three. This is a question. Another one anonymous provided says, uh, what is an acceptable age for children to start dating exclusively 
And should the church provide training classes, opportunities for dating to the youth? Hey, speed dating in church, Chris. I think that's <laughs> where we need to go is we're just yeah. going to have a speed dating in all teenage classes. What do you think? You think that'll work? Yeah, just uh, w- arranged marriages starting from the time they're in the third grade, just start matching them up, right? Done. Uh, you know, as a father, I'm like, hey, I'm great with that. As a kid, yes. I wouldn't have been. But man, as a no. father, I'm like, let's go. I'm with you. Yeah. You know, the answer to that is really difficult. I don't know what the magical age is. I know of couples um, that dated since fifth grade and that are married now. Uh, you know, you, and you'd look at that and you'd say, well, they, they're never going to make it. They're fifth grade, you know, and they're married today. Seventh grade, I see that. Eighth grade, I've seen that. Um, I also, as a youth minister, never wanted my kids dating each other because then they broke up and it was miserable, you know, um, or they would bring somebody to church and that they were dating, they'd get baptized and they'd break up and you'd leave and you'd never see them again. But uh, I, I don't know what the magical age is, uh, but I do think that um, there should always be boundaries in the dating world when our kids enter into that. And, um, you know, if it's at a younger age and we want them to go to the movies with us as, as their parents, you know, something like that, um, you know, there's, there's gotta be boundaries, no, no shut doors in our house. You're not going to be in the bedroom by yourself with the door shut. There's, you know, simple, just seems like common sense type of, of rules like that, but um, always boundaries. But I think setting them up for success in dating from an early age by some of the things we've already talked about, but then also um, I think teaching sex, sexuality, and I think it's starting younger and younger. I think if you believe that your kindergartner hasn't heard about this stuff, uh, you're, you're naive because they definitely are at an early, early age. So I think approaching these things early, earlier than ever perhaps, but also um, in the church. I mean, why wouldn't the church talk about this? Everybody else is. I mean, the world is saturated with sex, and then we come to church and we just don't talk about it. And uh, we shouldn't be ashamed to talk about what God created. And uh, I think sometimes the message in the church is sex is dirty, it's gross, it's bad, so you better save it for somebody you love. You know, and it's like, <laughs> what? Uh, I think we can do better than that. And uh, I think we need to talk about it. And I think we, we need to stop being afraid of it and uh, and just get it out there. Well, Chris, how do you feel like at this point, how, how is the church doing as far as providing training classes, teaching? Um, you know, I don't, I know that you and I and our preaching and, you know, you and I've talked about it. You and I've had those conversations and, and probably I know as a youth minister, as well as uh, different things I did with the youth, that was part of the conversation. It's kind of part of the not necessarily curriculum, but we we had that conversation. We we talked about yes. that, bringing parents in and and having, hey, what is your rules? What is your house? What are you guys going to do? How how do we get that better? How does the church do better at trying to provide this information? Yeah, you know, it's just. I, I mean, let's be honest. It's it's typical that churches of Christ have have not always been up to date on a lot of things. You know, we've always kind of been more stuck backwards we've been you know i've always said it uh, somebody else said this before and i've always repeated it is 
I wish the church would get in the 20th century. We'll worry about the 21st century later. You know, we've always kind of been stuck in the past and we've always been kind of late to the party on some things. Yeah. And uh, I, I think it's taking the initiative and saying, you know what, no more. I mean, we're going to talk about this and we're going to be, you know, we're going to be open about it and we're going to, I value questioning. That's why I'm here. I didn't grow up in the church. That's why I'm a Christian is because I question things. We need to value questioning um, and we need to open the floor for questioning. Um, I think solid youth ministry can help that, but they should just be reinforcing what the parents are already teaching at home. And so getting with the parents and saying, hey, this is let's put together a curriculum. Let's this this is what we're going to talk about. Um, I think that's key. I think from the pulpit, talking about it, making sure that we are uh, giving lessons about this is what holy sexuality looks like. And this is how it was meant to, to be lived out uh, in, in a marriage and uh, in, in, in a daily marriage. And so I think those kind of things are key. A lot of times just getting the ball rolling. Um, it's, I mean, that's just where you start, you know? I mean, it's not... There's not, you don't have to have some, you know, major program. Um, just get the ball rolling by talking about it and making a plan to say, you know, this is, this is going to be a part of our curriculum. This is going to be a part of the preaching schedule because it needs to be talked about. It's funny how, um, it's funny how good Satan is at teaching kids about human sexuality his way. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And we have curriculum inside the school that actually, I don't know if your kids went through this or not, but in Missouri, our kids in two different great uh, ages, so like eighth grade and then ninth grade, uh, they go through um, human sexuality, uh, you know, safe sex type curriculum in which they have to bring questions home and have to sit down with their parents and say, here's my question. Can you answer them? Right. And, and it's like, you know, this curriculum is telling you, you need to have this conversation. You know, obviously God would want you to have this conversation. And so it was always interesting of my house in which the, my, my sons would always bring the questions to me and and I would answer these questions with them. And uh, most of the time they would ask the question and and I would say, well, what's my answer? And they would say, well, you're going to say this, 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 and this. And I'm like, yeah, we've already had this conversation. Exactly. And so exactly. having that, I, you know, I think that exclusive dating, I know as a kid, mine was 16. I don't know what yours was, but whenever I was a kid, I had to be 16 before I was dating. Uh, yeah. And I think one of the biggest reasons for that is my parents didn't want to drive me either pretty well. Right. <laughs> like right. you're 16, you've got a license, you can, you can then drive. Okay, go ahead. That's, you know, that's part of it. Right. But having that, that conversation. No, that was the same with us. Yeah, we did, we did 16 and I... Uh, probably because of that reason, but um, as your parents did, we did the same thing. In that, at sixteen, yes, you you can date, but there's still it's not like, hey, you're sixteen, go have at it. Yeah, go to Vegas, have a great time. <laughs> have a great you know. time. Uh, Call mean, us when was, you're done. Call us when you're out of money. <laughs> exactly. So, uh, but yeah, I, I think you know, Satan's always knocking at our door. He's always knocking at the door of our house. And unfortunately, uh, sometimes we just prop the door open and let them in. Yeah. And uh, through, you know, we, we give them a supply line, whether it be through internet, through TV. And, and look, I, I'm not trying to be one of these stiff old preachers. It's like, you know, live off the grid, go live in a monastery right. somewhere. Um, I, I don't believe that either. I believe that there's a lot of good that can come from the you know TV, internet, those kind of things. But you've just got to, with just about everything in society, you've 
you've got to have a filter on it. We filter our water. We filter so many other things. You've got to filter what is coming into your home or else it's going to be a steady stream of sewage and um, you will you will pay for it you know, in the long run. I think about boundaries and I think about, uh, you know, there's different types of fencing on your property mm-hmm. and, and it's intended to keep certain things out and certain things in. If if I'm wanting, you know, animals and things like that to be able to move, I don't have a fence or I don't have that boundary. But if I'm wanting certain things to be, then I build a fence accordingly. There's a certain type of fence for like a goat versus uh, rabbits or, or you know, chickens. You know, I, I, yeah. there's a different barrier that lets things in, but doesn't let certain things in or out. Great and point. so I think that in our world, it's the same way that we have to set boundaries that catches the things that we want left out, but then allows the things that we want to be in that filtering system to be built in our boundaries uh, around our world. I don't think any of us want to live back, go back to the castle days and build this castle with a moat and a drawbridge uh, so that everything stays out. Uh, Instead, it becomes more of uh, what, what can I set up that allows the good in, but then keeps as much of the bad out. We'll never keep it all out, but keep as much of it out as we can. Yeah. Great point. Yeah. Well, Chris, I appreciate your time. You are a, a great person, great friend. I appreciate you very, very much. And being a thank part you. of the podcast, uh, thank you for being here. Yeah. Be- thank best you, of luck on the new church and uh, yeah. that new move. Hopefully your wife will be back soon. And uh, I hope yeah. you guys have a wonderful time at the new congregation. Oh, I appreciate that, Nathan. Thank you for the work that you're doing. Great podcast. I appreciate your friendship. And uh, let me know if I can ever help. No doubt. I keep looking for the fishing pictures since you left Texas. Yeah. You may not have as many fishing pictures now. Yeah, so, I, I, I plan on, that's my next move is finding a, there's plenty of water around here. So there's it's, plenty it's of water. Absolutely. Well, I appreciate all of you being a part of our audience and being a part of this particular podcast. Thank you so much for your support. Uh, remember, I still need questions. I'm running low. Uh, they're going down very quickly. And, uh, and so I sure could use some more. So send me your questions. You can send them to me at counselfromabove at gmail.com. You can also be a part of our Facebook group in which you can provide the questions there. Would love to have you there. Uh, It's called Counsel From Above Podcast. Uh, We have a couple of different sites. Jump on them. Hey, get a part of the conversation. Ask questions. Uh, I try to put some different uh, things out to kind of give you the thoughts to think about. And so you got a question, you got a thought, throw it out there. We'd love to have you a part of the program. Love to have you part of our process. Chris, again, thank you so much for your time. Appreciate all of you as we continue to strive each and every day to be what God wants us to be by always being willing to listen to his counsel from above.